podcast my name's jake i'm here with chase reyes and sam and we got a special edition for you guys today we're going to talk about the cu football student section and we have a couple special guests joining us uh we have ted and grant here with us ted and grant you guys want to give yourself uh give the listeners a quick introduction grant you want to go first sure i'd love to jake um like i like jake said my name's grant graduated from cu in 2018 uh, studying accounting, stayed an extra year to get my master's in to have a little more fun. Loved my time there, but you know, so many memories. I think my favorite memory in all sports has to be the uh, Askia buzzer beater um, and the ensuing chaos that followed. My name is Ted at the Ghost of Marv on Twitter. I've been a CU fan since I was a kid, like a lot of us probably. And my dream was always to be in the student section on game days. And my freshman year, I was too afraid to talk to any of the people that were in the front row and didn't really know how to get involved. And then my sophomore year, at the beginning, this email went out and I learned about this football student section organization that was forming. And the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, Like I alluded to before, we all have in common that we were a part of the Folsom Frenzy in the C unit student section at CU. Uh, and Ted and Grant were instrumental in starting the official student section for football. So we wanted to bring them on. And today we wanted to talk fun stories and how we started the official student section at CU and just talk about all the behind the scenes things that people didn't see necessarily on Twitter and just have some fun reminiscing. Uh, so with that, Soreus, you're known as Gramps of the group. We, we, I was wondering if you can kind of set the stage with how the student section looked during your undergrad, or I guess a little, a little bit after, and then we'll talk about the start of Folsom Frenzy and then the student section after that. Uh, Sreyas, you want to kick us off? That's, uh, that's a, a heck of an introduction, I tell you what, but it really is true. I am Gramps compared to y'all because I showed up at CU back in, in 2008. So for context... 2008. I apologize to the listeners that were at CU before 2008. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we got to, now we got to apologize to everyone. So 2008, that's that's when I showed up to CU. I was a little 16 year old coming out of high school. And that was, it was a time of renewed hope for CU. It was really a time, time of renewed hope. We were coming off of a, a a fairly close, we were down big at halftime against Alabama in the independence bowl in my senior year in high school. But we ended up making a pretty close game. Final score was Nick Saban's first year, 31-24. And coming in with a a top 20 recruiting class, we've got Daryl Scott coming in, who was hot shot five-star running back. We got a bunch of stud linebackers. We got Ryan Miller coming in, one of the highest recruited players to come out of Colorado. We had all these studs. It was a time of renewed hope. We started off that season my first game in the student section was against Eastern Washington in 2008. That was actually a blackouts first run. It was, it was kind of a rough game to watch because Eastern Washington is an FCS school, but student section was packed. Stadium was packed. And 
CU ended up winning on a, a, a last second pick six. I believe it was Chappelle Brown who had that. It, it was an amazing moment. It was like, you instantly fall in love with that part of it too. I was always a CU fan, but for me, it's like, wow, this is amazing. This environment, you know, being at a, being at the school and finally being in the student section, watching this game. And then after that, anyone who was at CU in those years will remember the West Virginia game. West Virginia game was my first time actually making it down in the field. So those of y'all that don't remember West Virginia at that time was coming off of some very powerhouse powerhouse years. They had stud running back, uh, Steve Slayton, who had just graduated. So he wasn't on that team, but he had just graduated. Pat White, who's a stud quarterback. They were a very powerful team. And they came into Folsom that year and CU won in overtime on a walk-off field goal. And the student section went crazy. We were 3-0. and And from there, it just – that was kind of like the high watermark from my undergrad years. But my second game being in the student section, it was amazing. Uh, but the very next game – so we, I think we went on the road and lost to Florida State after that. So 3-1, and one, still respectable uh, against – you know, fairly good team that you lost to. So it's not the worst and come home. And then we have to face a loaded Texas team with Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback. And the thought process there is this is CU's time. This is when we're going to come back and prove it to everyone. And they left, they left these in retrospect, hideous t-shirts on every single seat in the student section that had the the date of the game it was like october something 2008 cu versus texas it said it on these t-shirts and cu just they got killed it was ugly um not killed like we have been don't get me wrong i saw <laughs> i saw worse games this year but at the time i want to say the final score was something like 38 to 38 to 10 or 38 to 7 something like that but it it wasn't actually that close it, it it felt much worse but that was my first memory of some rowdy student section stuff happening because almost i want to say half of those t-shirts ended up on the field and they all looked like flags so it looked like the officials were throwing flags but everyone was just sitting there chucking these shirts i don't want shirts that say October, whatever, 2008, and commemorate this horrible game. Just start throwing, start throwing shirts out of the field. That's like a, that's going to be like a common theme throughout um, the student section unrest, being oh, given free stuff yeah. from marketing and it, the stuff being end, ending up on the field. It, it was a theme before I got there, too. Uh, there, there, there have been some story. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard about this. This was, this was when I was still in high school, but an entire part of the student section got kicked out of the stadium against Nebraska in 2005 because they were throwing stuff and getting rowdy because CU was heavily favored to win and ended up losing. Believe it or not, at that point, you know, that was CU's last in a, what, four out of five years of winning the Big 12 North, albeit with bad division. But, yeah, throwing stuff on the field, definitely a common theme. The rest of that season did not did not really go that well for CU. They almost made it to a bowl game but then lost because Nebraska – kicked a 57 yard field goal in the final minute to, to beat CU. It was painful, but it only got worse because the next year we came back and this was the last time we hosted CSU at Folsom until next season. 
2009, we hosted CSU. Everyone got up for that game. Everyone, everyone knew that CSU wasn't very good. Everyone knew that we weren't very good either, but there was some hype going into that season because Dan Hawkins famously declared 10 wins, no excuses. And then we, we came in and lost to CSU and the CSU students stormed Folsom Field. That was, that was horrifying. It was a horrifying moment. I mean, this was uh, this was 13 years ago, and I still remember it. Like just the horror of watching CSU students storm your field. Oh, water bottles raining down. Oh yeah, so <laughs> stuff ends up on the field all the time at Folsom. But that was that was definitely a low. And really, there are there are a couple other good moments in, in undergrad. Uh, of course, like the best part about it is the memories. And we'll get into that when we start talking about our mutual memories as as friends. But man, my, those those friends that I made going to football games, we still talk all the time um, and they're all incredibly successful at what they do. We have three physics PhDs, multiple doctors. <laughs> like regional directors for tech companies. It's like ridiculous that we were all degenerates together in the student section, but it was such a good time. And we have so much weird memories that probably can't even talk about here, but God, it was a good time, uh, but also a lot of losing. <laughs> so Sreyas, fun fact, you mentioned the 2009 season where Colorado State uh, stormed the field. So my first game ever in Folsom Field, um, despite growing up a CU fan my entire life was actually in 2009 uh, for the number 17 Kansas game when they came to Folsom Field. I'm sure you remember that game. Yeah, um, Josh, was that uh, – so was that Kansas? Yeah, it was Kansas. Like Mark Mangino is still still there. They were yeah, 5-0. Yeah, that team was – lost that the team rest was of the games. Yeah, and that was actually um, – that's actually one of the games Hanson played. Um, and I one of my most vivid memories, probably my first CU memory, was walking out of Folsom Field um, after Kansas had essentially elected not to take the field goal twice and ended up losing because – um, they went, they went for and didn't convert. Um, but <laughs> everyone was leaving and, and chanting Hanson for Heisman, um, which was, you know, kind of the, probably the high, definitely, certainly the high point of that season for that team. Um, but I do remember distinctly looking at the student section and seeing, you know, one, I couldn't believe what they were saying after the fight song ended, um, as we're all very aware. Um, uh, but two, seeing all the yellow shirts and all of the, um, all the students still being there, despite the fact that my dad had told me, you know, like, CU is going to be terrible. Don't expect them to win. We'll go to the game. It'll be fun. You'll see Ralphie run, but like, we're not going to win the game. Um, obviously we did, but I still remember to this day how, how busy that student section was. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, when did that kind of dissipate? When did that disappear? Yeah. So that's a really good point. As you were telling that, I, I was kind of picturing that myself. That, don't get me wrong. There were definitely dropout. There were definitely lulls, like, you know, the early morning games at 11 a.m. games, People aren't going to show up to watch, you know, Missouri uh, beat, you know, beat the heck out of you. <laughs> no matter, uh, no matter what, if you're, if you're a college student, come on, 11 a.m. That's rough to watch your team get killed. But for the, for the most part, it, it was really good student attendance in my recollection. 2008 was really good. 2009. Yeah. There were some dropouts because of the disappointment from the CSU game and towards the end of the season, but you know, that Texas A&M win is still, it was still great. 2010, there was a lot of renewed hope because we beat Georgia that year and we played against RG3's Baylor team. There, there was, there was some fun student section memories there. And then my senior year, we went to the PAC 12 and there was a lot of novelty 
associated with that since you had always been in the big eight or the big 12 for, for 50 something years before that, maybe more than that. So there's still a lot of novelty. I would say even 2012, which was the year right after I graduated when a lot of my friends were still, still at the school before I met you guys. Um, people were still showing up, which is shocking. That was Embry's 111 season where we lost to Sacramento state and people were still showing up. I, I definitely noticed towards the end of the season, there was more and more and more empty seats and it's, it's known that CU is never a, a hotbed college football destination that was going to sell out an entire state, entire stadium for a whole season, but it was still pretty good. And it felt like 2013 and on it just disappeared. And by the time, you know, we got, we all met 2014, it was, it was rough. Sirius to, uh, to piggyback off of uh, what you were saying there. I've been going to CU games since I was a kid. I failed to mention that earlier. Uh, my grandpa did the stats for 850 KOA for 40 years with uh, with Larry. He they're like best. They were best friends for quite some time. So I saw the sea of yellow was always something that I always wanted to be a part of. And just seeing what you're talking about from the booth was something I'll never forget, just like those core memories of, you know, those big games, uh, seeing students rush the field from an opposing team, heartbreaking, but it's, it's what drove me to become a, a CU fan. And, and, you know, you guys set the foundation for so many people to come. I feel like, and I don't know. I, I just, you could see the rise and the fall of, what, of the student attendance. And, and, you know, there were some bad years there. And as you touched on, and you, you could really see it from, you know, the outside looking in. It was, it was, it was tough to watch and tough to be a part of. Yeah. I think that 2012 season is really what killed it for people because there was no home victory that year there was nothing that anybody could say to their friends hey you weren't at the football game it was so much fun this happened and that happened and if we look at the last couple of years even though the teams have been bad even this year there was one really fun atmosphere that people had i think that in 2012 the team was so awful and the games in Folsom were so depressing I think just about the only close game other than the FCS loss was the final game against Utah, which is over Thanksgiving and, and people weren't really there for that. So I feel like that was probably what caused the student sports past sales to really take a huge hit the next year was people feeling like we're not going to, we're not going to pay for this, but I have to admit that it was still like fun. That first game against central Arkansas, it still felt like a fun, lively student section. And uh, against Oregon, a little bit in the first half that year in 2013. But towards the end of the year, it got quite rough. And then 2014, when we started, was pretty much scraping the bottom of the barrel with, with one or two exceptions. It's never quite as cut and dry, but definitely I think the trajectory took a steep downward turn there after that 2012 uh, apocalyptical season under John Embry. And I think so, you know, you look at the the attendance statistics from back then and 
you know, even, even when the team was just genuinely awful. And I, th- and I think in my mind, at least the John Embry year, um, one eleven is probably the, the absolute bottom. Although, um, Mike McIntyre's two in, I can't, two in 10 season, um, was not particularly prolific either, but you know, you still see about, you know, 35,000, 36,000 fans, including for an FCS central Arkansas team, you know, you're filling the stadium at 65%, but I think we all realize that, you know, kind of around that time, it was ironically a majority alumni that were showing up to games, you know, tickets were still being filled. Um, you know, people were still showing up to the games, just not the students. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like to pivot towards, you know, you guys were all there obviously before Sam and I, what did you kind of see in the student section that really inspired you to do something where you actually, you know, the average college student probably doesn't just want to change something like that. You know, what was it that kind of instigated the desire to see students have more fun at games and, and try to improve that experience? So to be fully transparent, I wasn't a CU fan really until I stepped foot on campus. Uh, my dad went to no- another school and I was a fan of, of that school. And I came from a high school that had a great student section environment. Came to see you my freshman year. This was 2013. Went to the football games, and this there was one section halfway full. I remember, I, man, I was trying to remember, guys, what was that freezing cold game back in 2013? Is it Cal? There was literally two rows in the student section of fans. It was the saddest thing I have ever seen. They won and that then, Cal game too. Yeah, and there was nobody there. Right? Yeah, yeah, and um, and then fast forward in, into later in the year. Uh, basketball, going to Cruz Event Center the year after the Pac-12 championship. That environment was electric. I I genuinely think we had a top five, top 10, call it, student section in the nation back in 2013. And I thought, where are the fans for football? It's the same season pass ticket holders going to basketball games as football games. Sure, the football stadium's larger and the student section's larger, but I was just dumbfounded. Where are these fans? So I guess the story started back when I was sitting in my economics class in my front, in the front row, I was sitting next to the guy that dressed up in the banana costume at sporting events. And we were talking about CU athletics and I'm like, how do you get to sit in the front row? I love CU football, love CU basketball. How can I be a part of it? And he said, you should dress up and wear some sort of costume and then I can get you in with the security guard Carlton. And the, I decided to dress up and he threw out the idea of Batman. So I wore Batman, a Batman costume throughout my entire time at CU. And the first game I wore that costume was the Kansas game. And probably to this day, that is my absolute favorite college experience ever at CU. And that was, I think, when the, when I flipped the switch and thought, we need to bring this to football. Basketball, it's super fun. Why can't Folsom be rocking like this? I know it has the potential, like we were just talking about. You know, there's that infamous, I think it was from the West Virginia game, and I think we were alluding to it, that picture of the gold rush. And they used that picture, they used that picture for like the next 15 years because students didn't show up. And it was kind of that, experience that really sparked my interest in starting the Folsom Frenzy. Uh, I later met with the head of SUNA at the time. Uh, we'll, call, we'll call her Kelly. And I asked Kelly about football and if they thought about branding SUNA within football. 
And she said, no, we haven't really thought about that. You know, it's a really different environment. Basketball is really tight knit, more student section focused. And I totally agree with, but I thought, why not football? And I didn't get a ton of buy-in from her at the time. What year is this? 2014. I called up the CU marketing department and I said, hey, I want to start an official student section at CU. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to clarify for anybody who doesn't know that the C unit, which now encompasses all sports, was originally a basketball only thing. And it was started in 2004 by a group of students that were much like you, dissatisfied with the level of student support at basketball games and, and started something grassroots to get more people going on a more regular basis to support the basketball team because CU was very famously not a basketball school and very much a football school for decades. And student support for football was taken for granted for a very long time and not enough was done to sort of water that tree. And then when the results on the field were no longer good, it was a lot easier for people just to sort of fall off the wagon and not go to games anymore. So that's where our hero steps into the story. After I had that conversation with the athletics department, I called up someone in marketing that summer. I think it was a cold email. I got their email from the student section leader. And then we had a conversation and they were excited about it. There's really no reason for them not to be. It's a free worker who's going to be a free promoter of CU athletics and naturally will increase student ticket sales. So I think it was at the beginning of that school year, I met with Rick George, got his buy-in. And after that, we decided to set up some sort of board for this official football student section. So I worked with the CU marketing department and they sent out a blast email to every student that had a season ticket, or it might've been every student, I can't remember. And it was, it was something along the lines of, if you're passionate about CU football, want to get involved in the new official football student section, come meet us in Folsom Field at this time. And that's kind of where it all kicked off. Uh, Sirius and Ted and Grant, is that how you guys heard of the Folsom Fren Frenzy originally? How did you guys get involved? So, Jake, I, I have a story similar to yours where I really wanted to get involved and dressed up. I was the barrel man at my high school. So coming from a rich tradition, uh, I think I, there were at least like seven. The actual CU barrel man was the barrel man at my high school and passed it down. It somehow ended up to me, but I went to a CU basketball game my senior year. My grandpa went up to all the guys who dressed up, you know, Halo Spartan, Buff Girl, Buff Hulk. You can name all those iconic black gold, you know, crazy costumes. Same thing as you. I asked them, hey, I want to be a part of this. How can I, how can I join? So without like those staples who had already been there and were very devout and very devoted fans. Yeah, uh, Grant, if you don't mind me chipping in, it was yeah. like an official thing. There oh, were yeah. dressed up superhero fans. There was probably like 10 of them at least. And they called themselves the League of Extraordinary Buffs. And it was like this legit thing. If you were in the front row, you were dressed up. Back, it was like an unspoken rule. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to add that context. But you No, no, that's fine. Well, and, and same thing. It was like, hey, I need to find a costume. I didn't have a costume. I wore, I wore a cape and like eye black. That was my, that was my shtick. But Waiting in line for the first basketball game of the year, some couple comes up to me, and I cannot make this story up. They hand me a trash bag. It has a banana costume. We already have banana. I can't be banana number two. And the man in the big yellow hat from Curious George, I said, you know what? 
I'm taking that and I'm running with it. I made a plenty of modifications because I was clearly from like a party USA. Um, I actually made my own hat with my grandma, um, bought my own clothes and everything. But, you know, once I saw that email go out, I was like, I'm all, I'm all in. This is what I want. This is, you know, what I came. One reason I came to see you just because of how passionate I am always have been, um, for the buffs. I wanted to be something, you know, be a part of something more and really see if we can bring, uh, at least the student section back and bring what, you know, fans came to love and enjoy about CU on you know, a beautiful Saturday in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. My, my story of how I found Folsom frenzy was a little bit, a little bit more nuanced and, and kind of strange because I had already graduated. Right. So after I'd graduated, this is kind of interesting because this almost takes a personal turn. So I'll try to keep it, try to keep it as focused as I can. But after I graduated, I had an engineering job that didn't really suit my interests very much, but allowed me to continue on my path of, at the time, being a professional music producer. That's really what I wanted to do. And I was completely devoted to that, to that life and I'd always been moving in that direction and maybe a year and a half into that engineering job I decided that I was going to use grad school as an excuse to give it 100% effort into music and go for broke in that sense so at the time I wasn't sure where I wanted to go to grad school I knew I wanted to go somewhere that was going to uh, reinvigorate my interest in engineering since I did graduate mechanical engineering as I mentioned in the first episode. But as it were, all roads lead back to Boulder. It was kind of faded because CU ended up having the exact program that I wanted. So I didn't know whether I wanted to be a mechanical engineer in the aerospace field or in medical devices or in something else. And CU offered me the opportunity to try both while being in a design-focused program. It's an amazing program, graduate design program. Shout out to them. They changed my life. And so ended up back in Boulder. And, you know, back to the music thing, there is a, there is a connection here because after I got into the, uh, to the program, I decided to leave my job and just devote myself to music. And I, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my career at all and that I actually wanted to go all in on engineering. So at the time when I showed up at CU, I came in with this really clean mindset of I want to try any new possible thing that comes my way. I want to be a yes person and I want to look at every opportunity. Like, what am I passionate about? And I'm going to cultivate that passion. And there it is. Like within the first couple of days, I get this, e I see this email blast that goes to everyone. I'm like oh, mm, student section. Oh yeah. I mean, I already know I'm going to go to all the games. I'm like a lifelong fan. I'd been a season ticket holder, even in the years that, I wasn't in school. So this is perfect. Like this is a great opportunity. This is the first time I've gone to a to a school in a really long time where I don't know anyone because two years had passed and all of my close friends from my undergrad years pretty much had been gone except for a handful. And it, that was my opportunity. So like, this is something I'm passionate about. I want to go meet some new people. I'm kind of changing my whole mindset and my career and my life. And, and here I am with this opportunity to try to re resurrect or be a part of something that I care about and build something great. 
it's kind of a kind of a crazy nostalgic story even thinking about it now and how did you initially hear about the Folsom frenzy wait me yeah oh the email the email nice nice yeah so yeah i mean it was Soraya's, myself ted and grant and probably 10 other students who, who well, helped one of whom may or may not work for 1043 the fan sorry <laughs> But yeah, it was it was this core coordinate group of students, again, probably like 15 of us that met in Folsom Field. We didn't have a name at the time. And we just we all had this common goal of we wanted to have fun at football games, win or lose. That's where the party is, is at the football game. And it it started pretty simple. I remember we had four meetings talking about the logo and the name, or at least four. <laughs> it took forever to decide on that name. And then we later changed the C unit. And yeah, it just had small beginnings. We didn't have any official titles or anything, but it was this grassroots movement of starting this official student section. But yeah, I remember like that first year, there were a couple of fun things we did. I don't know if you guys remember gobuffs.io, but they were like a barstool-esque account, social media account is how I would describe them and they reached out to us when we were brand new trying to brand ourselves and they brought some of us into their studio to do a a silly like pump up video for the student section to teach kids chants and whatnot and I remember they gave us a GoPro do you guys remember that yeah oh dude that was so cringe I remember we tried to do the the U.S. soccer champ but like basically make it buffs related that was like we scoured campus that whole afternoon looking for anyone to oh, yeah that's song. right that's right we, we tried to sing, it was, i was like every time i hear that song on that i think it's a volkswagen commercial now i'm like dude that just brings me back to that stupid time we were going around campus trying to brand a video based on a u.s soccer chant that quite frankly, no one knew and then put buff stuff in it. I was like, oh, I, I don't know if this is even going to work. This is a this is a snowball chance and you know what? It's oh good. I remember, I remember that. I remember you guys, or at least it was so bad. And I just remember saying it's too long. People don't have memories that are that long. Maybe if you learn it, like if you're brought up that way, obviously everybody learns the fight song eventually. I want to talk about the title of that video, which just stayed with me to this day. Uh, the title of it was Get Your Balls Rocked. And I want to know whose idea that was. And it's too bad that everybody's on mute right now because they're all <laughs> laughing. It was so bad. <laughs> I can see you laughing. I, I think that's whose why idea? Go Buffs I.O. didn't stick around very long. <laughs> Video names like that. I, I'm not hearing anybody claiming responsibility. Are you going to say that that was them that pushed that on you? That was definitely them that came up with okay. the names. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It's been eight years and I'll never forget that. <laughs> If I live to 80, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. But yeah, I'm just trying to, to remember some of the other fun stuff we did in that first year. I remember one of the big things we wanted to do was give out t-shirts. And Ted especially was gung-ho about the t-shirts. And I ah. was too. But marketing gave Ted the nickname T-shirt Ted. <laughs> he, he kept bothering senior marketing to get some t-shirts. And I think that's a normal ask. Like, let's put some Folsom Frenzy t-shirts. Let's put our logo on there and and brand ourselves a little bit. And, marketing- and for perspective with how much marketing hated that, when I became president of C-Unit, like four years later, three years later, 
our first conversation with marketing included a conversation about how much they hated t-shirt Ted and how t-shirts were never going to happen. And it's not in the budget. So don't even ask. So that was how anti t-shirts they were. And at the end of the day, Ted got vindicated on that. So Ted somehow got the nickname, but we were all on board for it. Because yeah. I was always, cause I was pushing for it. Cause the basketball team, I mean, the C unit got a, got a shirt every year. So why shouldn't there be shirts at football games? That was my thinking. And, uh, they never gave me a good excuse for why that was not uh, part of the budget, but they had the budget to do that for um, actually two basketball games my first two years. There was a Pepsi one, and then there was a C-Unit one. They had two full student section shirt giveaways. Actually, right. they had a full student section shirt giveaway and then a full 11,000 entire crowd t-shirt giveaway from Pepsi, uh, both of those first two seasons that um, I was in the student section for basketball. There's something about free t-shirts that hits different. There really is. So I just talked about that Texas game in 2008 where everyone got free T-shirts, right? Well, half of them didn't end up on the field. And the other half that didn't end up on the field, I would see them at the gym nonstop, cut up in so many different ways for the next three years. There's something that hits different about it, right? It's branding. It it becomes part of your memories, basically. I remember we had we had basically free t-shirts like the, the, the gold, the, the yellow gold shirts that were given to us during freshman orientation. I remember, I don't know where it is now. It's probably, probably gone, you know, in a dumpster somewhere, but I, I wore that until it was in tatters. And I think almost everyone else that I was in freshman orientation did too, you know, it hits different. It, it's like almost like a, a unity thing, you know? Yeah. And my year, they decided to give every college a different, colored shirt instead of them all being the same color and the gold was screwed up for the very first time my my freshman year and uh it's unfathomable to me how much cu marketing screwed the pooch when it came to branding when it comes to all that stuff they didn't have a, a fight song shirt for years i think i've seen them more recently but it's just unfathomable to me the simplest most basic things these people many of whom did not even go to the school could not be bothered to give a hoot about and i'll never yellow gold's that. not part of the brand yellow gold's not part still of the dealing brand. with that today i'm still talking to them the people that are there now today about the beige rush that they did against um ucla so Ray, it's a lot a lot of those texas shirts have uh, been cycled through the goodwills of boulder <laughs> yeah, that's not it's, just, it's just tight tight cycling outfits and old cu shirt gives giveaways in those goodwills damn have you seen any Folsom frenzy shirts I think we gave out 500. So if you have one of those OG Folsom Frenzy shirts, you can probably sell that for good money. You know, that's it's like an artifact. I was, I, I think I might have mine. I was trying to dig it up for this just for the nostalgia. <laughs> Anything else year one? We could dive into that too. I mean, I remember that the game we had those 500 shirts they finally begrudgingly gave us was the worst attended student section I've probably ever seen. It, maybe except for the Utah snow game in 2018, but the Washington game at 11 the day after Halloween in 2014, they, in the spreadsheet that they gave me after I asked for it for years, they said they had 1,800 student scans for that game. I don't see how that's possible. It felt like there were maybe 800 students at that game. It was really pathetic. So anybody who had that shirt the rest of my college career, when I would see it, I would know that they were a real one because they went to a game at 11 a.m. 
the day after Halloween. So I always felt a flutter in my heart when I would see somebody wearing one of those. But you didn't see very many of them. I doubt we even got all 500 claimed, to be honest with you. You know what? I don't think we did. I think we gave them out later on for, for giveaways. Just like how, on campus. How can we not talk about the shift during the UCLA game when the, the stadium was so sparsely populated and the student section was so small that half the student section when the overtime period was at the other end of the field went down to the other end to try to supply uh, more noise on that end of the field and we were all convinced we were going to rush the field after knocking off a ranked uh, UCLA team and then we got our, our hearts broken. Student body right the whole student body all like 50 of us that were still at that game because <laughs> <laughs> there were there we were getting killed weren't they were we? down 31 we were down, to 14 yeah we were down huge in that game and somehow came back through will power or whatever it was and and then lost because brett hundley and there was some brett unbelievable hundley. heartbreaks that year i mean my god the oregon state game was when they got the ball back near the end after forcing a punt and couldn't get a first down was that where spruce was it pretty blatantly interfered with on, I want to say it was the fourth down play and it didn't get called. It's possible. I know that we had an interception called back for a phony pass interference call in that game. That sounds, that's, that's just normal but stuff. It usually just real, happens against USC. Some real heartbreakers that year, but it was at least the games were interesting, but that was by far the worst. That year was worse than 2013 when it came to student attendance, other than the CSU game, which was the weakest CSU game for a student section perspective that we'd had. Um, and then the ASU game, which was the first game in Folsom, the student sections were really rough. I doubt we were even getting to the top of two sections in those days. It was terrible. Just to wrap up that first year conversation, one other things we did, a couple other things we did uh, for the student section is we went to a national student section convention out in Indiana. It was me and Scott that went out there, and that was a great place where we could learn from a bunch of different student sections. We Arizona was out there, UCLA was out there, Ohio State, Nebraska, the team in red. Um, and that was just a really good opportunity as we were in our first year of building the student section. We can go out there and just learn from a bunch of different people. But with that, guys, you want to shift over to year two of Folsom Frenzy. This is, what year is this, 2015? Yeah, fall 2015. Um, and I know that well because – I came in as a freshman and uh, kind of my experience for getting into, into the Folsom frenzy was uh, obviously our first game that year was actually at Hawaii, which was pretty unusual. Um, and if you all remember, we lost that game 20 to 28. My favorite part of that experience though, was that CU. And I think this is very exemplary of how CU students were treated as far as fans are concerned is um, the game kicked off at 11 PM, which was already horrible. But truly, you know, a good indicator of Pac-12 after dark to the extreme, the student, um, the C4C actually had advertised for like the first two weeks, come to the C4C to watch the game, come to the C4C to watch the game. And so as a freshman, you know, it's my first CU football experience. I'm really excited. I had grown up a fan my entire life. Everyone else on my floor was kind of like trying to start drinking the Kool-Aid and the C4C closes the watch party, I think before halftime, Ted, you might've been there. I can't remember for sure what time. No, I was at old Chicago. And then uh, I ended up watching the end of it at a friend's house, but I was not at the, the C4C. Yeah. So they, they end up closing the watch party and just sending all the kids home to, and say like, sorry, you know, we're closing. 
So, you know, that's the kind of planning and thought process that went into trying to get students to become fans of the football team that for years had been absolutely horrible. And so, you know, I'm, I'm still a huge CU fan. Week one was Hawaii. We lost. Week two was a 12 o'clock kick against UMass. And I remember that because I woke up at like 730 in the morning and went around my hall pounding on people's doors to wake them up because I was like, you know, it's the first home game. We want to be in the front row. We got to go. <laughs> and so none of my, you know, no one on my floor wants to wake up that early. I end up getting to the stadium, to Folsom Field at 9 a.m. in the morning. And I'm expecting to see like a huge line at the gates to get in for the student section and am like flabbergasted that no one's there. So I kind of stand out there because I didn't really know anyone um, yet. I was still, you know, making friends and none of my friends from my floor had come with me. So I'm just standing there kind of waiting. They finally open the gates. I'm the first one there kind of standing there. And I remember this distinctly because I, in fact, beat all of you guys, like the, the Folsom Frenzy OGs, <laughs> and was the first person there. And lo and behold, Jake walks over to me and hands me this newspaper, I believe, if I remember correctly. And it was, um, and you should probably explain more about that. But, you know, Jake buff is- chips. Yeah, buff chips. And, and Jake, you know, you would never have known that. And, and frankly, I- I'm kind of just now realizing that you guys started Folsom Frenzy the year before I got there because Jake is such a type A personality that he made it seem like this thing had been running for 25 years. He's like, this is how we do things. Here's this newspaper that you have to hand out. I had never met Jake in my entire life. He's having me hand them out to students as they get there. Um, I'm in the front row wondering why all these people are wearing these weird outfits, stuff like that. And so that was kind of my first experience. Obviously we ended up killing UMass. Um, I really thought we might've been a pretty good team. Um, and then, you know, obviously it kind of went downhill from there, but that, that was kind not of immediately though, that, not, that, not that Rocky showdown was a hell that of a That was time. a high. That was a high. And, that Rocky uh, Mountain showdown was amazing. I have a whole story about that week, but we don't have to go there yet, but I love that story, <laughs> Chase. I love hearing that from you, that you were, you were this eager, you know, bright eyed, uh, young chap who thought that CU football student support was still what it was back in the day, unaware of how bad things had gotten. You know, just quickly to put it in perspective, you know, I'm obviously a law student now at Penn State and the student sports passes sell out within 30 minutes. Right. And so like that's kind of the support I expected at CU. And obviously that, you know, that's kind of the goal in the, in the long run. But yeah, that was kind of what I was expecting. And, and, and the the fact that I was able to just walk in, I mean, you could have back then, you know, you could have walked in 25 minutes before kickoff and probably gotten damn near first row. I, I Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that CU, we, we've taken it for granted the last couple of years selling out of the sports passes. They've even had to add more the last couple of years. They're even adding a section to the student section that they took away after the 2014 season. They're adding it back now because the support's been consistent enough. Right. But they, they sold 12,000 and then 14,000 with the overflow. And back in the day, they would always sell out. I remember they sat us down that first week uh, in the 2015 season and said, this is the year we're talking about. The CSU game was normally the first week. So people would buy their sports passes, but it was week three that year. And they said, guys, we've sold like 6,000 sports passes. You have to help us sell these sports passes. We have sold half of our sports passes. And I think we may have crawled our way to, to 8,000 that year. I know that by our, our rise season, there were still only about 10,000 sports passes that got sold. It's crazy to think that, but it's true. And that was after they dropped the price. So let's not take for granted the insane support that we've had where their sports passes are selling out. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rant for me. It's hard to, it's hard to blame students though. 
the moment for me, and this was actually in 2014. So as bad as the 2012 season was, the 2014 moment was sitting in my apartment, newly minted grad student, coming off of a, a bitter loss to CSU who went on to have a great season, sitting again in my apartment watching the CU UMass game at Gillette Stadium in front of about 10 people who had trickled out there from Boston or, or wherever. And CU at one point was, I believe they were down 11. UMass had this tight end who's like, 35 years old who made this insane one-handed catch. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like the most diehard CU fan imaginable. You That's like one of those moments like, all right, I just, I can't do it. And they did come back and win. Nelson Spruce had a great game and they ended up winning. And then, yeah, you know, they had, we had some fun games that season. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to blame the students for really losing, losing their faith. And I'm really glad that we were there. I'm glad that we were there to hold it down. And we have some amazing stories of trying to get people to understand why we enjoyed suffering so much, you know, but it was part of the story, you know, and here we are in, in 2022 and soon to be 2023 thinking about <laughs> a magical future ahead, you know, it's amazing. And even the last couple of years, the students have been unbelievable. And, you know, it was the pandemic everywhere. You can't just chalk it up to the pandemic. Not every school has come back like CU's come back. And after the rise, support was actually pretty, pretty strong the next couple of years. It's been a totally different ballgame. And I think it's important for us to reflect back on just how, how awful things were. I, I think it's important to talk about, you know, 2016 was the rise. But I think a lot of the groundwork as far as making the student section fun really happened in 2015 and not all of it was glamorous, right? Like, I think, you know, it's worth taking a second to talk about, you know, in 2015, even though we were, you know, I think 2015 should be remembered as the year where we went from losing big to losing small before you start to win small-ish, right? 2016, 2015, like the team looked like it was kind of turning around, but, you know, getting students, it was like pulling teeth to try to get students to go. And, and so like part of what we did those years were, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys remember the, I can't even remember what time we did at the 9.30 p.m. chalking that we weren't even sure we were allowed to be doing necessarily on campus and, you know, reaching out to students through that because, you know, I think it's easy to, to chalk up, you know, everyone just showed up in 2016, but I, I really do think that the the student experience started to change in 2015 with the card stunts. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm almost positive we did a card stunt in 2015. We did. I know for sure we did one in 2016. And so, you know, I think those things were definitely a big impact as far as, you know, even if we're not going to win the game, we wanted to make games fun for students. And if, if CU wasn't going to do that necessarily, you know, we wanted to do that. We're like, uh, yeah, I think 2015, I think we should really go into that because you're so right. There were some things that happened that year that I think did continue to play out down the line. Yeah. So one of those little things that Chase briefly mentioned was buff chips. Sreyas, do you want to talk to those really quick? You type those up. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely impressed, Chase, that that was one of the first memories that you had. I So as I mentioned earlier, I had decided that I didn't want to do the music thing anymore, and I was going all in on engineering, but there's still that creative side of me that really wants to come out. So I used to do all these you know dumb little Photoshop edits in, in, uh, <laughs> on my computer that we'd put out on Twitter, uh, one of my favorites was the Arizona perception versus reality one. 
That one kills me every time. I try to find it every time we play Arizona, and it cracks me up. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to describe the humor of it. <laughs> you just kind of have to see it. It's just a. It's a wild perception. Is wildcat reality is house cat, except it's a- but the pictures <laughs> is what makes it. It's the picture the pictures of the cat that makes it. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but then one of those big creative outlets for me was ragging those buff chips i knew you know i didn't think that a lot of people were going to pay much attention to them but when i used to go to basketball games when i was an undergrad that was a normal thing you'd you'd show up to the games and there would be facts about other teams waiting for you most of them were fake which was that was the humor of it and that sometimes they would tell you things that you were supposed to chant at someone who was taking free throws some of them were quite offensive and it was, it honestly made the experience very spicy. (laughs) Um, So I thought that, Hey, you know, if there's no one else doing this, this is my opportunity to flex, you know, flex my creativity and and write some goofy facts. I I can't even remember. I can't even remember some of the stuff that are, I don't know if I want to remember. I don't even know if some of that stuff should be out there in the world. Who knows? But it was it was fun. It was a really good time. And I did find out later that a lot of people did actually read them and, and find them entertaining. So it was kind of right. They were a highlight when I got to games. I always look forward to reading what dirt you could dig up on people. It was always really, really fascinating for me. I, I enjoyed just like the the pure mayhem of the basketball buff chips, but I was like, hey, you know, might as well throw some info out there, but also make fun of people, you know. It's it's it it's a good chaotic fun. I, re- I really think you're too. I mean, we hit the ground running. We we had a big plan and we had a mission to get people into games. I mean, that was that felt like we were doing something every single week that we had our meetings. Like, it's like, OK, what's the new, the new big thing? Like, I mean, we snuck baby powder into games to do like a chalk throw, basically. That was we'll, we'll outrageous. That. Like, Let's talk. 2014, we were just getting our feet wet. We were meeting each other and building, creating the logo. And then 2015. We started to build our own initiatives and also build out the Twitter and have some more fun with it and build out the buff chips and kind of go along with that CU brand of, of riffraff. But yeah, see that CSU whiteout game was one of our first big initiatives. And you we know whose idea that was, don't you? You're going to gloss over it. It was, was t-shirt. T- it was T-shirt Ted's t-shirt idea. T-shirt Ted. revolution. That was one of many. You know why? Great. You know why? Ted ideas. Because I knew that that was the game that they, we had these new uniforms. If we skipped over that, that we had T-shirts that were given out at the uniform reveal that like 15 students showed up for. I knew once they had those all white uniforms with the white helmets that we were the road team in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, and I knew they were going to do it. I just intuited that they were going to do it. And so I suggested that that, that 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 be a whiteout. And for some reason, the people at marketing got behind it, probably because I said it's something people can do without having to have shirts made for it. And uh, it sort of went from it sort of went from there. I, I worked harder that week than any other week on the executive board. I did an entire Willville tower, every single door on every single floor, put a flyer under there. And I was totally winded by the end of it. Dude, but, I uh, forgot that. We got little flyers. I was so nervous. Is anybody going to do it? Are we going to have enough people to fill the student section? It kicked off and we were like half full and CSU was up 14, nothing. And I was there in my white suit in the front row feeling like I was about to cry. And then it all turned around and we came back and won the game. And that I think was one of those moments that people would kind of be able to say, wow, this was an amazing experience that I just had because that game was crazy. It went to overtime. It was back and forth. Everybody stayed to the end. It was a Saturday night. And uh, 
it was one of those things that people would go, okay, maybe next year I'll renew my season tickets. Or if somebody talked about it, oh, wow, that CSU game was crazy, even though the, these other games that we lost. I think that was one of those moments that was, I think, really pivotal. And I remember just going to the game. All of us were dressed in white. Some of us rode down together. And we had no idea if we were going to be the only people in white. I remember we met in the UMC and we built out this serious social media campaign of every day. We had two tweets lined up, a couple Instagram posts lined up to communicate the message that it is a whiteout for CSU. I don't know. Has, has CU ever done a whiteout before that game? That was the first one. And we got so much flack on Twitter. Like, I don't have white CU gear. Even marketing wasn't too gung-ho about it, but they made a ton of money off people buying white CU gear. And I remember what flipped the switch and was like, huh, like we have a big social media presence. This is kind of working. Was when the, um, the, the school store in the UMC started promoting the whiteout and they were selling all white gear. And we're like, huh, this, this might actually work. Yeah, they had done it for a basketball game. Let me let me clarify, but never for a football game. But I mean, that was really I think that was really cool. Ted, the fact that you were able to put a video together, too. Um, oh, yeah. With you and, and the and the white paint. Yeah, that was a nifty little little concept that was going to look so bad if we lost. As um, cheesy as it was, it was it, your like, smiling it was face like, promote like a promoting thing for Twitter. It really I think it really like um you know just the little wink and the smile like white out at the end that was like that that made I know so many people who are like hell yeah like that's awesome I love the fact that we have videos to support this now not just like okay I don't want to just go to the game like you guys are like I was nervous beyond belief that no one was going to show up and like like you guys yeah, were. I was yeah. Like, this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna be terrible to quickly give more context on that video it was this cheesy video of what grant with a white paintbrush and like some cheesy music but it was super well done and edited really well it was the who's won't get fooled again which is only cheesy because it's a csi by it was a csi miami joke where the scream hits right when he makes the thumbs up into the camera at the end i i mean and that was actually the sequel to the much more involved uh cinematic masterpiece with with scott and the and the hammer but i don't that's a whole other thing but I feel like that was really one of those things where it actually felt like maybe all this work we're doing can have some impact. Because I remember the image of that student section, it got around on social media a little bit from not just CU. And it was the first time that we looked really cool, I think, in a long time. Well, um, not to mention, you know, the, the, you win the game with them missing a last second field goal. No, we made a field goal. The or, however, yeah. however it went down. Um, yeah. I know I know the kicker from my high school played for Colorado State and missed one of the field goals in the game. Um, but to to have that happen and then, you know, the, the team is all wearing white and jumps up. You know, we have all the photos. Um, we'll tweet them out as well when this episode goes out. But to have the team jumping up with the students all wearing white, you know, and, and like the branding that that allowed. I think that's when, you know, I, I at least think that's probably when marketing started to take the, the group serious or maybe more serious than they had. Right. You know, they could kind of see yeah. to your point, it was very vindicating. I have a degree in film from CU. And so I sort of took it upon myself to do a little bit of that arm of the marketing. And we had just had so many losses the year before that were really close. And there were some, so many unflattering things written in the media about CU football over the previous couple of years when we were coming into the fall of 2015 that I decided to take inspiration from the famous Macintosh commercial that aired during the Super Bowl in 1984, 
uh, where a, a lady with a javelin throws a javelin through his screen airing some propaganda and it's like an ad for Macintosh for some reason. So we had this TV showing these low lights of previous CU defeats. We just picked up an old CRT TV on the street corner and on this brick wall behind it, we had this array of headlines from newspapers and photos that I had printed out. I burned through so much ink on my parents' printer doing that. And then Scott, who had the coolest costume of all of us by far, no offense, Grant, with a very expensive looking, because it was very expensive, Daft Punk helmet, complete with LED screen, polished to a shine, walks in with this sledgehammer and takes a sledgehammer to the TV. And then we had this leaf blower blow all the pages off the off the brick wall and then he spray painted let the revolution begin after it it was all very sort of i used music from the terminator it was all very intense and the director's cut was like four minutes long but we got it down to about two minutes it was a lot of fun but we committed several crimes we uh <laughs> we, we we had a noise violation for sure i was amazed the cops didn't show up we vandalized public property we tried to get temporary spray chalk that we could wash off it didn't wash off at all i drove back there like a month later and let the revolution begin was still there on this brick wall but we got away with it so and, and it by we, it. the video does people, exist i can link it to. on this podcast for legal purposes <laughs> yeah I can link. Wasn't our whole theme the Ralphie Revolution? Ralphie thing? Revolution was the hashtag we came up with for that scene. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Before Darren Shiverini ever had any ideas about the rise or anything like that, we were trying Ralphie Revolution. And if the team had won more than four games that year, maybe it would have taken off. But oh well. But that was a fun. That was a fun day. And that's that cool. video is still out there, and we'll tweet it when this comes out again. <laughs> yeah, Sreyas just found it, so we'll make sure to post that. Great find, Sreyas. And I think. You know, this might be a good time to kind of transition from the whiteout to um, I think one of my first memories with the Folsom Frenzy at the time was I can't remember who actually made the purchase, but we, we there was kind of a decision made where there was going to be the official Folsom Frenzy and then there was going to be like the the fly by night. I, and I think we can kind of come clean about this now. The Rogue Squadron. Squadron. The Rogue, Rogue Squadron, as, as it was called. And I, I'm pretty sure we made, I'm pretty sure a separate group me was made because we were so insistent on making it um, covert. But I remember, I don't remember who actually bought the rubber duckies, but I remember Scott in his suit. So Scott was one of the, the original founding members and he had a, he was the one with the Daft Punk uh, helmet, but he also always, or typically wore a suit. Um, and I remember watching him like stuffing these miniature rubber uh, rubber duckies in his pockets and thinking that it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I just couldn't wait to find out what we were going to do with them. And he comes up to me and I'm a freshman, you know, had just joined this group and he starts shoving these rubber duckies in my pockets. And he says, you know, all right, this is the rogue squadron. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw them in the urinals and that's going to totally show Oregon and, and keep in mind at the time we were three and one. Not urinal right? chase, so, troughs, troughs. Excuse troughs. me. Yeah. And believe me, oh, I'm a huge fan mistake. of troughs, huge fan of troughs. Um, I think Folsom field has maybe the most efficient restrooms in the, in, in the country, but. Other than CU um, Center, which is equally efficient. Exactly. But, but the idea being that like, you know, th this is going to be like our rogue squadron. And then it kind of got, you know, carried away from there. Um, so I, I think that was kind of the, one of the more fun memories of that of that second year yeah and to give context when i started the Folsom frenzy the summer of 2014 i marketing connected me with the guys who started c unit for basketball and 
that probably wasn't a great idea for them to connect me with them. <laughs> because the one thing I remember from that phone call, I talked to one of them, I can't remember who it was, but the one thing they told me is, uh, so for context, they had worked with the same person in marketing. We'll call him Jeremy. Uh, and Jeremy has been around CU Athletics for so long. Uh, I think there was like a 10 year gap from when CU Unit basketball started and when I started Folsom Frenzy. But the one thing exactly. that I said is they're like, you need to make Jeremy feel uncomfortable. You need to push the envelope. That's the CU brand. Have fun. It's party. Do fun stuff that maybe marketing might not be okay with, but that students will love. And I think that's what started. That's one of the reasons why Rogue Squads started. But we did a fun a ton stuff. And yeah, can you guys think of some from that year? A fun a ton oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, I heard that too. That Lestix, that Lestixia. Uh, <laughs> I think what? that my favorite thing about that was that we were so into how covert we were and how we smuggled these things in with people that we knew who had access to the stadium and could bring in bags and stuff because they had a very draconian bag policy which everyone has now but my freshman year they didn't have it and we could just bring in backpacks I used to bring my backpack with me to games and then my sophomore year when this started they changed that so we had to be real slick about how we got stuff in there and it was that was half the fun because they were squandering us at every turn they confiscated these great signs we had made because there were no signs allowed in Folsom Field uh, I mean I what the that, f man. was that these that, people had no interest in supporting us whatsoever so we were going around them and that was part of the fun of it was feeling like we were sticking it to marketing by going behind their backs. So in addition to the rubber duckies in the urinals, which I wrote, you know, target practice or duck hunt or whatever, and, and put targets on their, on their heads. We also had marshmallows for a marshmallow fight, which is an old CU tradition that we tried to bring back. We did that for the Arizona game that year. Yeah, but we, we didn't had... use batteries or nails. So no, yeah, no, 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 no batteries inserted in those marshmallows. <laughs> and then we had we had the baby powder for a, a visual effect during the blackout game against USC, which I should have really thought about how that would smell, but it was a cool visual. I remember some USC alum wandering by the student section after we did that, going, Man, your student section is crazy. And I was like, Oh, good. That's how it looks to an outsider. I remember they cut after a touchdown on TV and it looked good, but it smelled terrible. But that was another Rogue Squadron gimmick we did that year. I forgot that. We did that at the beginning of the, of, of the game and we were all covered in baby powder, the whole student section. <laughs> yeah. yeah my hat, my beanie off. smelled like baby powder because it's wool and it just like seeped in, the smell just seeped into it and I couldn't get it out for months. And I mean, it really was like Ocean's Eleven where, you know, like someone would drop off a duffel bag in the front of the uh, CU event center or, or uh, the, the uh, new athletic center over there. And then we would have like our inside man bring the duffel bag in and then like drop it off at the, at the X marks, the spot. I mean, it was, it was probably way over the top. I mean, it was a bunch of Argus employees that mostly just wanted to tell people no. Um, but I mean, at the time it felt really cool. It felt on top of the world when you could bring stuff in that you weren't allowed to. That's what made it so much fun. It was an enormous sense of power walking down the aisle oh, yeah. with that suitcase. It felt like I was carrying a suitcase full of stacks of hundreds, <laughs> even though it just had marshmallows in it. And I was like, here comes the party. You know, I thought it was going on the, the Rogue Squadron. We had a little road trip that year, if I remember, but it wasn't football related. That was, uh, was that, that was basketball related, if I, if I remember correctly. Which, which road trip? Up to CSU when we interviewed uh, CSU students, asking them uh, yeah. about like false players or people who played for 
see you because that was a big trend going on in Twitter was people going to different campuses like, oh, hey, how do you think X, Y, Z? And it's clearly from like the opposing team and they they don't know anything about that. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a great game. We're going to beat CU. Yeah, go Rams. And I just I remember we you, me and uh, our other buddy went up and that was that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed getting some uh, some, you know, CSU fans on, you know, in Old Town and around CSU's campus that were unsuspecting of you know, George King at the time, Josh Scott. The, oh, yeah, he's going to he's going to kill the boss. It's like, no, no, you don't know anything about this is what it, it made it so much better. Yeah, because at the time we were still brand new. And I think we were trying to, to gain, quote, market share over the CUNA basketball account. Maybe market share is not the best. But we thought it would be a great idea to go to CSU's campus and interview these kids and trick them with the questions and make them look dumb, essentially. And, yeah, it was right before the basketball rivalry game. And we asked them questions like, who's the vice president of the United States? At the time, it was Joe Biden. And people didn't know the answer. We kept that in the video. And it was just a total CU ba- CSU bashing video. We asked, like, what do you guys think about Mike McIntyre? Do you think he'll he'll do well next season? And they had no idea who Mike McIntyre was. And they were hyping him up. Uh, but it was a bunch of fun. We asked him about uh, Talton was on the basketball team. Xavier Talton, is that his first name? Did I get that right? Yeah. 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 Xavier we Talton and them, Xavier Johnson. We asked them about the conflict in Talton and we flashed up a picture of him and the CSU kids were ranting about it and how they were totally against the conflict. And yeah, we just asked them a bunch of fun, random questions. I think we flashed up a picture of Xavier Johnson and just his face. And, and we said, like, how do you think he'll do against the buffs? What are your what are your predictions for how he'll fare, how he'll fare in the basketball season? And, and just got him going off the rails praising CU people. So yeah, that was a bunch of fun. I think, I think my favorite anti-CSU propaganda that the account ever tweeted was the happy move-in day to all the new CSU students. And it's the girl waving goodbye to her dad and she steps into the, uh, the, you know, garbage can and closes the lid. That was probably my favorite. (laughs) Right. I think that was that year or maybe it was the next year, but that one was, that one was really good. All right. I think another, another great thing we did that year was we marketed the student section a lot better. Uh, we had a better handle on our Twitter. As we mentioned, we we had a bunch of funny tweets. Uh, we also built an Instagram, Facebook, uh, all those sorts of things. And then one other thing we did was chalking. And I remember one, one guy on the team was super serious about chalking and he built these legit templates. And we had our Folsom Frenzy logo plastered around campus. We even had the ESPN logo for when we played USC and just went on an all-out blitz chalking campus to get students to games. Um, I remember that took a ton of time, too, just, like, filling in those templates. A lot of late nights. Uh, Soraya, Grant, do you guys remember anything marketing-related that we did that year, in year two? Didn't we do something with, with Spruce, trying to do, like, a Spruce moose or something? I can't remember the specifics, but I, I remember everyone – because. Whenever Spruce scored, you'd yell Spruce, obviously. And I know, I know people like I think people wore moose hats too. Um, I did we have an actual spruce? I can't remember. I'm blanking. Yeah, I think it was that year. We this was marketing's idea, and I did not love this idea. But they're like, hey, what if we bought a moose costume for you guys 
and one of you guys can run around and be, be the Spruce Moose. Yeah, wear promote, Spruce's jersey on. Yeah, that's Yeah, right. to promote Nelson Spruce. But yeah, we basically ran around in a moose costume getting pictures with people. And I think we gave out some t-shirts, but that was like a silly thing that marketing wanted us to do. And yeah, I, I remember going around with Chip too. And I don't know how effective it was, but another silly thing that we did. I think it's the first, or no, it's not the first. I've seen an older picture, but we did a card stunt, which was one of the first in a very long time because the picture I saw was a black and white photo of CU Stadium. but. Our very first year, we did a card stunt that was like 20 cards. It was I thought ugly, it was like 12. Yeah, I was going to say. It just said Folsom like two rows. Yeah, like two it was rows. this yeah. ugly Folsom Frenzy written across it. And we were just trying to brand ourselves. It worked, we, but it wasn't. It, it was pretty embarrassing. To be it was hand-drawn, too. It was bad. <laughs> right, right. I think, I, think I, was, I was the culprit on that. <laughs> but that you got to start year, somewhere. You got to start somewhere, right? Right. I had to prove to marketing what a card stunt was because they had no idea. And I'm like, every Big Ten school does it. Cal is the number one card stunt school in the nation. Like at halftime, they'll do three different pictures in their student section. And I pitched the idea to marketing and they didn't want to do it. So I went out to Hobby Lobby and I bought the cards myself and I just went rogue and I said, I'm doing it. I'm funding it. If you guys don't have anything, I have any money to give us. It wasn't that much money. But I remember I chatted with Cal in Ohio State and asked them, how do you guys do this? And I basically got the rundown of how to do a card stunt. I built an Excel spreadsheet. So I guess this is the type A side of me. And we mapped it out. We went into Folsom Field like a week before, mapped out the seats. I, I was there. I remember you wanted the front, the first two rows. So that was the whole thing was we didn't have stellar attendance. So we needed to make sure there were enough people there, at least like, yell at people to like cram into that front spot to get as many people to hold up a card as possible. But I remember you laying out like, okay, here's where everything's going to go. We're going to have these guys distribute here. Like it was very simple, but it felt so convoluted because it was so new. And, you know, looking back, it set us up for so much more success in the upcoming years. Oh yeah. We did some fun stuff, but yeah, the card, we had a little cutout that we taped to the back of it that showed the instructions. And we were all so nervous because it's like, are these plastered CU students going to be able to hold up a card on time? And, and card we stunts, a- when card stunts are bad, they're bad, right? So, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it has to work or it's immediately a meme potential to get made fun of. Right. Yeah, I, I remember talking about what game to do it and everybody was pretty universal. Do not do it at the CSU game because if it doesn't go well, we're never going to see or hear the end of it. But I think it's in, one of the interesting parts of the story is that we didn't do it at the game that it was supposed to originally be at because of Mother Nature. That's right. I remember one thing I did was I made the lettering very thick, like four or five students thick. So we had a big margin for error if someone wasn't holding up their card. But was it? what time was that game? Do you guys remember? Were we the in USC game early? was a night game. It was, it was a night game. To, we were supposed to do it for Oregon, um, but the US, but it rained that day for the Oregon game. Uh, the USC game was the last home game of the season on a Friday night, but a support was so bad in those days that we didn't even have one full section. And it was only a half section card stunt, but we didn't have the density because we were going to do it at kickoff. So we had to frantically try to get people to move down to pull off this card stunt. It's amazing to think about that now when you look it, at the student sections. Oh, yeah. It was a nightmare. It was half of the first section. 
Yeah. And I think it was at, was it at halftime or at the end of the first quarter? Beginning of the game, which was a mistake that we didn't repeat again because people were very okay. late arriving in those days. They're still late arriving, but they were even later in those days. Right. I remember like we were screaming at people to pack in so we could do this card stunt. And people did not love Folsom Frenzy at that time. No, they did not. We were, we were telling everyone to cram in, but it worked. And I remember sitting on the Jumbotron and just being so stoked that it actually worked. And CU Marketing could see that it worked and people loved it. But I guess after the fact, when the card stunt was over, in traditional CU fashion, a lot of them ended up on the field. It turned into <laughs> giant paper airplanes. Yep. <laughs> How um, much should we do in that game? That was the baby powder game, too. Yeah, it was the last home game, so we really went all out, I guess. It was I awesome. emptied the tank for that one. I oh think my that, that, that that also led off the ESPN2 broadcast of that of that game was a close-up on our card set. Like, they're excited in Boulder, yada, yada. So that was kind of neat. Not nearly yeah. as cool as what happened the next year, but it was still at the time, like, wow, we, we exist. They noticed me. Oh, yeah. my God. I think, I think the refs had to stop stop the game right to pick up all the all the paper airplanes i don't think we got i know that with the towels at the oregon game they did a towel giveaway and that was very problematic a lot this of is really full up. circle this is really a full circle on this yeah no, nice I, things i think the uh almost penalty and then the stoppage was actually the year after when we did the the bigger one and those all were uh thrown out of the field so we'll get to that one yeah i think they threatened us after the first one like you guys need to make sure they don't get on the field for the next one. If we're going to do a next one and we didn't do a very good job of that or the one after that, but we tried. I remember ripping them out of people's hands and them giving me death stares. I was such a cop that day. They were not happy with me. This was the, right. the second year where we had a lot more goodwill. This was the UCLA game when we did the rise one. I was just having to go through and rip them out of people's hands because they wanted to fold them into paper airplanes. No, after that season, I do remember a couple other interesting things happening before I, I graduated uh, involving Folsom Frenzy, uh, one of which was the Champions Center and, and finally getting to go tour that facility. And we all went as a group. We all go, got to see the basically all the same facilities that Deion Sanders showed yeah. the whole world. And we got to see it back in 2015, or I guess this was spring 2016. It was spring, yeah. Brand and new. It was, it was spectacular. Got to go see that 1990 AP Natty Trophy, the insane locker rooms, the insane weight training and recovery facilities, the, the insane Heisman? view, the Heisman, uh, the bricks. The, oh my goodness. It was, I, you know, I had always tried to hype myself about CU about this storied past, blah, blah, blah. We had this happen and that happened, but then seeing the hardware in person, that was such a cool thing. And I was really glad to have had the opportunity to be amongst that first group of people to go check that out. Who coordinated that? How did that happen? I actually don't remember who got in Rick George's ear about giving us a free tour of that himself personally. So I want to say CUNA basketball used to do that. And they gave me the idea to get a tour. And I remember I was pulling teeth to get a tour of Folsom Field the, the first year. So 2014. And then the next year we got Rick to do it. And I remember a lot of people couldn't go. So marketing's just like invite a bunch of people. So it looks important to Rick. and We have a big enough student group. But yeah, it was really marketing pairing with me and offering that up too. 
I remember he was pushing pretty hard for us to get uh, host our private events. And I was just wanted to say, how much money do you think we have for it? We're <laughs> broke. Also in that year, we also did a running behind Ralphie promotion where I think it was some sort of drawing. Do you guys remember how that worked? I'm blanking, I, but it, it was so, it was so random. It was like a drawing, but it, it felt fixed because like everyone in the, the, like they told us we were guaranteed. And then it was like, if you win this drawing, you get to go run out like after the team behind Ralphie. I, that was one of the like coolest things. My um, my grandpa's doing it's his, I think it's his second to last season up in the box. And he he calls me after he's like, I saw you run behind Ralphie. Like it was such a staple in his memory that it was like it means it meant so much to him to see one of his grandkids run behind Ralphie because he'd been seeing it. It was one of the coolest things. Um Really, I think we like I kind of took for granted it was, you know, no one does that except for the football team. Um, but you know, with Sreyas, when you're talking about the the champion center tour, I think that was a really good like springboard in not realizing it for what was to come for year three. I mean, we had a fantastic year three, but that's because of the football team. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> 